Hello and welcome to Currency Exchange, NatWest Markets podcast where myself, Emer Daly, and our team of FX strategists help to break down the major themes and events driving FX markets this week. Uh, for this week, it was the Buffer UK Data Week where we had the triple whammy of UK inflation, UK labor market, and we are eagerly awaiting April to FL data out tomorrow. Today, I am joined by our head of FX strategy for EBA, Cole Robson, who's going to help us to break down uh, the major developments and what that actually means for sterling. I'll start first with the labor market report, and it was a cracker. Um, on a floor rate stayed unchanged at 3.7%, so only 0.2 percentage points at all a five-decade low for the unemployment rate, and we had 74,000 jobs added to the UK labor market in the three months to December. So that is the highest level for six months. Paul, what did you make of this data? And I guess most importantly, what do you think it means for sterling? Well, I think in terms of the labor market data, it, it was a very solid report. Um, not, I think markets weren't expecting the kind of jobs growth that we we got. So that, that's obviously a positive, maybe just leans against some of the more pessimistic uh, views around the, the UK outlook. If um, people have their jobs and they're, they're getting paid more, then they can lean against it sort of cost of uh, living uh, crisis. Um, underlying um, average earnings was a little bit stronger. So we had that dip down um, in sort of headline. But once you strip out uh, bonuses, you've got some uh, relatively strong uh, wage growth there. And when you think about the, the Bank of England, it's um, about the persistence of inflation and whether they need to deliver uh, another 25 basis points or even back-to-back 25 basis points. And a little bit more wage inflation obviously plays positive for the, the currency uh, through that. Um, there was obviously the CPI numbers as well. The biggest reaction for the currency came from uh, the drop in uh, inflation. Uh, for me, it was the the core number uh, that was really uh, very weak indeed. I was just getting to the point where uh, I thought the economists were getting a better handle on forecasting inflation uh, globally after some of those big surprises of uh, last year. But we the number that we got this week was outside of the range of forecasts. Um, just like uh, employment in in the US, so it's obviously uh, matters. Um, but listening to our economists, they do make the point that the downside miss was very concentrated on and centered on a couple of uh, components. The most obvious one was uh, footwear uh, and clothes, uh, which is probably a function of discounting uh, in the winter sales. And the data, we didn't think there was actually that much discounting, so that probably suggests that the numbers uh, revert back to underlying trends uh, next time. Uh, weakness in transport as well, airfares. Um, and, and so when we look at the, the report overall, it's not really pointing to a, a broad-based weakening inflation. So we think the market might have reacted uh, a little bit uh, too much for that that release. So we think that that will um, fade. Uh, for Sterling uh, looking out, I mean, we still have this non-consensus uh, trade or, or view on the, the currency, that the currency outperforms a very sort of pessimistic market expectations. So we think that sterling dollar, uh, for example, uh, gets to, to 130 sometime uh, during mid-year. Uh, we also think that uh, sterling is uh, too low against the euro. So we are expecting sterling euro uh, to move higher, euro sterling uh, move lower. Uh, we see this in in the lens or through the lens of our three 
sort of themes for 23. So um, regular listeners will know that we've we've talked about uh, European energy prices, uh, China reopening, uh, and the US macro. Uh, we think that it's the energy price story that matters most for Sterling because it introduces or, or shifts the balance of risks around the UK outlook for growth, inflation, government borrowing, the balance of payments. And we don't think that that's fully reflected in current sterling valuation. We think markets will need to revisit their their views of the balance of payments uh, and also um, how the, the risk premium applied to UK assets has adjusted. The, you know, the, the outlook is set to be weak, but I think the risks have shifted from having been massively to the downside uh, to, to more balance or actually to squeeze some of the, the market narrative. Yeah, I think that's a great point that the market seems overly bearish on sterling. And I'd have to say, you know, you are kind of sterling bull. We got quite counter consensus. And um, I just definitely something that stood to you through Q4. Why do you think, you know, markets have this kind of been greatly to be pessimistic on the UK, on UK assets? And what are they underestimating here? Is it, you know, the impact of energy prices falling? Uh, or is it they're too focused on, on Bank of England policy? Yeah, I think you're being, you know, quite charitable in your, your comments there. Um, it's a very uh, sort of non-consensus um, call. I, I sometimes describe it as, as, as a popular view as a rattlesnake and a lucky dip at a country fair, obviously um, not very uh, popular uh, indeed. But I, I think that's actually part of the, the important narrative uh, around it. it is expectations are so um, sort of negative for the, the UK that it's fully in the price and that it's going to be hard to see who the sort of marginal seller of sterling is if that's already uh, in the price. And you see it in the way markets react the sort of headline um, news like the IMF becoming quite pessimistic about the UK economy coming up with a sort of 1%-ish uh, fall in GDP for this year. But markets have been pricing that for the best part of six months. And it is not new news. Uh, and that's important as well. Where I also think that market might have it wrong is that they're, they're so focused when it comes to yield and the Bank of England outlook is this idea of yield differential. And Yield differentials are important for currencies, but when you think about what markets were worried about for last year and how it's changed, they were worried about a housing market collapse, a sort of over-tightening of policy because of inflation. But now that you're going to get a less amplified policy cycle, mortgage rates are coming lower, and so the risks around that sort of slowdown in growth or and the housing market uh, are not, nowhere near as much as they used to be. Uh, and therefore, the people who used to have a negative view on those things just haven't seemed to have rode, uh, ridden it back. And so uh, uh, the markets see a sort of smaller or less tightening of monetary policy as a negative, whereas I actually think it should be seen through the lens of uh, the risk premium. Uh, the other and final point, uh, I think it's the balance of payments. You know, in currency markets... I don't think on a day-to-day basis, people look at the balance of payments uh, trends in a lot of detail. But if we're right and the energy prices um, come lower, then the fuel balance for the UK is going to be sharply different. And what we've observed at NatWest is that the relationship between sterling against the dollar tracks market forecasts of that that deficit. So I think over time, 
markets will adjust their view of the balance of payments position growth and that better mix will squeeze that those negatively held views uh, in the market mm-hmm. and just say as an emerging market economist i feel like um you know you can't underestimate the importance of your trade balance it's such a fundamental and persistent flow of either you know outflow from your currency if it is a deficit or inflow if it is a surplus so i do think the correction we're seeing and we're definitely seeing that playing out across kind of central eastern european economies is fundamental and like you say that trigger of energy prices you know given what you're saying that everyone is so pessimistic on on sterling and kind of under position i guess in uk assets what's the trigger what is the trigger for them to get back in at long sterling local currency assets well i think it will be a sign that the sort of negative um, view of the currency isn't playing out with the currency so there will be signs of fatigue in markets. I think some people will have, you know, tight, well, there's time decay way against uh, positions. Um, I think that's going to be uh, important because that will be a sign that the balance of payment position is in fact changing, that you're, you're getting a much more balanced outlook uh, for the, the economy. I think that's going to be important. Um, I think once markets get a little bit more confident about the balance of payments trends as well, so they're watching those. Uh, forecast of the deficit for this year. Once they start to um, narrow it further, I think that will be uh, a trigger uh, as well. So really, just watching how the sterling trades get a backdrop of uh, the current account, and also watching how economists uh, view the balance of payments, because ultimately, you know, currencies are driven by the net flow of money into an out of the economy, and that, as you quite rightly said, is the balance of payments. I just think that that's an unappreciated theme. Um, in markets at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. So watching trade flows. Uh, Paul, I cannot let you go without asking your take on this week's US inflation report. It was slightly higher than expected, but I felt like the US dollar wasn't exactly sure what it actually made of it. What did you think? And what do you think of the market reaction? Yeah, well, I think the market reaction was right. I, I think that um, it was a bit of a nothing report. It, it didn't embolden people to look for a more hawkish Fed, nor did it lean in favour of them continuing to roll back their their guidance. Um, I actually think the biggest thing for uh, the dollar this year, as uh, sorry, this um, week has been more about the the activity data that we're we're getting. So um, the last couple of weeks, employment, ISM retail sales are all sort of leading to the idea that the US economy started this year a little bit more strongly than markets had expected. And uh, talking to my colleague, uh, Brian, about how he's seeing it, it's about resetting the timetable on that changing guidance from the Fed, from sort of more hawkish to more dovish, that 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 point in uh, the peak cycle, peak interest rates in the, in the cycle. And you sort of reset that. So you now need to see a couple more months of, say, stop the data for the Fed to be a little bit more more confident. I mean, the way I'm thinking about it is it's like the, the game of stakes and ladders that we sort of play as, as a child. You sort of, the Fed's moving up the board with every piece of weak data. Um, sometimes the data is very weak and you maybe go up a ladder. But occasionally you get these um, strong pieces of data and you come down a, a snake and you're, you're at the bottom of the board again and you have to work your way up uh, the board again and I, I think that that while they're, they're doing that it's a more positive 
a dollar environment. And I have to say, it's sort of leaning against our core view to be short uh, dollars. So um, we are a little bit more watchful, uh, a little bit more careful on the dollar uh, right now. Yeah, they are definitely high up that ladder right now in terms of just how strong the US data and how high the Fed may have to take rates in order to counter it and cool down growth. Uh, well, guys, that is all we have time for for this week's edition of the Currency Exchange. Just to thank Paul Robson again for joining us and taking us through the UK data and obviously our kind of consensus bullish starting view. If you did like the podcast, please let us know and take a like and make sure to subscribe to the latest episode of Currency Exchange first. Thanks, guys. I thank you for joining us.